You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. We want to celebrate with you today. This is a wonderful day because four years ago when we left Michigan to go to Belgium, there was no church in the city of Bastogne, the famous World War II city. There was no Protestant church. There has never been a Protestant church building ever in the history of the world in that city. And now well, there is a church, thanks to you. There are three things that we're praying for, ask you to pray for. One's a building. The church has already saved in Bastogne their money, $20,000, about 19,000 euros towards a building, and that amount is continuing to go up. Uh, we're believing God for a building. We'll be the first ever in the history of the world in that city, a Protestant church. We have two Muslim mosques, a Turkish mosque, and an Arabic-speaking mosque. There's a Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall. How many know we don't need that? There are two Catholic churches, and there's no Protestant church. So we're believing God for a miracle for that, and we're trusting uh, you will believe with us because we prayed before that we'd have a church congregation where there wasn't one. Now there is one. I believe the next time we go back, we'll be preaching in that church. Someday I will be preaching that church in Bastogne. Secondly, we're praying for construction teams. We have construction teams already promised from Rocky Barris Church in Canton, Michigan, from Kerry Waldy's Church in Traverse City. He's going to be sending a team. We have a promise of a team from Washington State. Wouldn't it be nice to send one from Spring Lake to come help us build this church over there? And lastly, the Lord has opened up a door for us for a TV ministry. I'll be telling you more about that. It's a tremendous open door. Please keep that in prayer. It's a joy to be with you again. Um, I think you're in for a blessing. You're in God's house, and we have a blessing God. He blesses. And you cannot come into God's presence and not be blessed because he loves you. He knows about your situation. He wants to bless you. Um, as I asked this first service this morning, if you could stand up, we're going to read the word of God together. That's a tradition I learned in Russia, actually. We, we spent 14 years in Russia, Damli Gavrin Paruski. And um, I noticed in Russia that when they, they share the word of God, they ask people to stand up. It's a sign of respect to the Lord. So I'm going to read this verse, and then we're going to pray. It's in uh, Galatians 6, 9. And let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we shall reap if we do not grow weary. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would put it on our hearts, that we would understand it, we would receive it and be blessed in it. Lord, your word brings light, it brings life, it breaks the chain. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the treasure we have in your word. We pray you open up every eye to see you this morning, to hear from you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, you may be seated. I'd like to read that same verse in another translation that uh, I, I kind of prefer. You know, everybody's got their favorite translation. So here's, here's the one I'd like to read. Nous ne laissons pas de faire le bien, car nous moissonnerons autant convenable si nous ne relâchons pas. Same verse huh, in French. Um, if you want to learn French, it's one of the easiest languages for an English speaker to learn. A whole bunch of French words are in English and vice versa. And you can get your French Bible on your phone for free. Uh, I recommend um, the, um, uh, well, I've got several I could recommend. Online Bible has a French version. Uh, you can switch the two. It's a great way to, to um, improve in your French. And God can use that. If you've got it, you can use it. If you don't have it, you can't use it. 
So if you learn some French, who knows what God will do. Maybe a mission trip will come up to Haiti or Quebec or Montreal or Bastogne, Belgium. And you can use that little bit of French. So I encourage you. And one other thing I'd like to say, this is I didn't mention this morning, but in the back table, there's some brochures called maps. If you want to come on a missions trip and work with us for about uh, uh, whatever the Lord would do, for a short-term trip or long-term trip, maps is wonderful. We had five maps workers this this term wonderful people uh, we had justine from washington state cammy from arkansas we had tiffany from michigan Anoy, michigan we had hans from california uh, who came speaking french we had uh, abby from texas wonderful people greatly blessed by these maps workers so if you're interested see us after the service we'll be glad to talk to you about it. or just take one of those brochures um, <clears throat> Galatians 6, 9, what a wonderful verse. I believe if you get nothing else this morning, but Galatians 6, 9, you are blessed. Uh, let us not grow weary in doing good. You know, you do the right thing, and it's easy to get tired. You think, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not fun anymore. You want to give up. But the Lord has a word for you. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we don't give up. Turn to your neighbor. Get your finger ready. This is your chance. Oh, maybe the only chance this week is you can shake your finger at somebody. Shake your finger at them and say, don't give up. <laughs> Wasn't that fun? Yeah. See, I just got to straighten somebody out here this morning. <clears throat> don't give up. In World War II, Bastogne, where this church was planted, you just saw it, was the site of a tremendous battle. 40,000 German soldiers surrounded 17,000 American soldiers in the city of Bastogne. Had us cooped up and trapped in there. Just a few days earlier, Pastor, I don't know if you know your World War II history, over by the border, 13,000 American soldiers had been surrounded and they surrendered. You don't hear a lot about that. It's not something we like to brag about. 13,000 American soldiers led by a general who was a little bit scared when the Germans said give up. He said, okay, don't give up. Don't give up. There's a victory coming. You're mightier than the devil because greater is he that is in you than... I don't know. Let me try that again. Greater is he that is in you than... I love that. A little participation. So, so the Germans wanted the Americans in Bastogne to surrender too. They'd just gotten 13,000 fighting soldiers but simply because they convinced the, their general to, that it was hopeless. So they started shooting artillery shells over our troops, and they would blow up, and instead of killing anyone, leaflets would float down, and on the leaflets it would say, Hey, buddy, Merry Christmas. Wouldn't you like to be back at with your family? Don't you think your mom, your wife, and your kids would like their dad to come home okay? You know, there's a solution to that. Just 300 yards ahead are the German lines. You could surrender. How many know the devil is pretty persuasive when he's talking to you, he said, give up? When he's saying, why don't you take that drink? When he's saying, why don't you give in to that temptation that you know is going to hurt you? You can't fight it forever. Just give in. The devil's persuasive. He sent, for that battle, he sent a delegation of two privates and two officers with a letter from the, the German commander to General McAuliffe in Bastogne. They said, General, you're surrounded. People are dying. 
your situation is hopeless, you might do the honorable thing and surrender. He made it sound pretty good. These nice officers can be able to do the right thing, do the honorable thing, save some lives. The devil can make giving up sound pretty good sometimes. But you need to remember, in due time, you're going to reap if you don't give up. It's a conditional promise. God's promises are conditional sometimes. And here's one. He says, you're going to reap. You've got a harvest coming. You've got a blessing coming. You've got a victory coming if you don't give up. Don't give up because you and Jesus are a majority in this situation. General Nathan Bedford Forrest in the Civil War gave a memorable speech to his soldiers. More than once he would say, boys, I know you're you're tired. You're hungry. You're thirsty. You're weary. You want to give up. You're wounded. But I want to tell you something. Your enemy is tired and wounded and worn out too. If you'll hang on just a little bit longer, he'll be the one that gives up and not you. Dear ones, I want you to remember, the devil is tired of fighting with you. <laughs> He's just as weary. The Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against demonic spirits. They're getting tired of you when you're confessing the word, believing for God to do a miracle in your life. They're getting tired of it. If you hold on just a little longer, he'll give up and move on to someone else. The Bible says God has not allowed us to be tempted more than we can stand. The devil's always saying, hey, this is too much for you. You may as well give up. You can't stand up any longer. God says, no, that's not what my word says. God says, I won't let you be tempted more than you can stand. But I will open up a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. You have a victory. Uh, When I was in high school, I ran track. I was not that fast. But um, one day we were running um, 220s and, uh, no, 440s. And I wasn't a 440 person. But in our slow track team, breaking 60 seconds in the 440, it was like 400 meters, was, was kind of fast. And I'd never done it. In fact, I don't think we might have had, I don't know if we had anyone on the team that could break 60 seconds. So I was running, and he got halfway across the 220-yard the, the mark. That's before they went to meters, 200 meters, I guess. And they called out your time. Now, if you're going to break 60, you've got to be under 30 right there, or you're never going to make it because that second 200 yards is... It's a lot slower. So I got over there, and they, he called out our time. I was the head of the group, and 27 seconds, 28, and I thought, oh, I can break 60. So I just poured it on. I gave it all I could, and I broke that line at 59.9999. <laughs> and as I did, everybody was laughing on the team. The coach was laughing. I thought, why did I do that? It was so funny. And one of my friends came over and said, you know, when coach called out 27 seconds, you weren't at 27. You were at 29. <laughs> he said he knew you could make it. He was working. Jesus is your coach. He knows you can make it, and you're going to make it. Just listen to him, and you're going to cross that f- finish line with victory. So um, <clears throat> don't give up. There's, you may want to give up. You may think, I need a break. But you know, Jesus, he knows what you've got. He knows you've got 60 seconds or 59 seconds in you. There's a story told by Jerry Clower, the comedian about uh, these guys out hunting in the woods for a, a wildcat that had been eating up all the chickens and everything in everybody's chicken coop. And it's middle of the night, and they, they, they treed this wildcat up, in a, up in, a, in a tree. And one of the brave hunters said, I'll climb up there and force him out on a limb where you guys can shoot him. So that's kind of a risky thing to do. He climbed up there in the tree, and next thing you knew, they heard the, 
caterwauling of that wildcat and this guy, and they got into a fight up there in the tree, and the tree was shaking, and they were screaming and hollering and everything. And finally, the guy yells down, and he says, Bubba, shoot, shoot. And he said, I can't shoot. I might hit you. He said, that's okay. One of us has to get some rest. <laughs> you may feel like that. You may think, well, I'd go ahead and shoot. I need some rest. But the Lord is saying, don't give up. When we went to Bastogne, we were kind of weary. Our first term had been rough. We had seen the church plant in Arlon, which is going great. 160 people now in that church. That was a miracle. Uh, that's another story entirely. But we were tired and didn't want to go back. If, I, if someone had given me a good excuse to stay in America for that last four years, I would have taken it. So I was tired. But Lord said, don't give up. So we went on. But we went to a city. We were requested to start a church in Bastogne. And the more I researched it, the worse it looked. You know, planning a church is not easy in America. It isn't. A lot of people try, and they don't succeed in planning a church. In Europe, let's just make it a little bit harder. Here in America, you've got a lot of Christians. Well, in Europe, you don't. Less than 2% of the people are born again. Uh, over um, in this city that they sent us to, I found that three other churches had tried to plant a church, and all had failed. So I thought, oh, this is not looking real positive. Uh, they had Muslims or two Muslim mosques. They have atheists there who despise Christians. Uh, Catholics who are jaded and don't want anything to do because they're mad about the pedophile priests and everything. Jehovah's Witnesses who turn everybody away from any time. You, you pull a Bible out and start to talk about it, they think, oh, you're Jehovah's Witness. So it's a negative. Anything religious they just don't like. So it was not an ideal place to start a church. But the Lord was faithful. If we are faithful, he, was, he is certainly faithful. He brought us through. He gave us wisdom. He gave us strength. We had these wonderful MAPS workers that helped us when we needed it. And we have a church there where there wasn't one before. So I wanted to celebrate with you. There are people in heaven today that wouldn't be if you hadn't believed God. I want to assure you, as the Lord is my witness, you cannot sow a blessing in somebody's life and not reap a blessing in yours. God is not that bad with record keeping. He knows. He keeps very close track. You bless them, and he's going to bless you. America gives millions, I'll say billions of dollars every year to other countries through our government, through foreign aid, through our missions giving. We send money overseas all the time. And you would think with all that we're sending, we'd be poorer. But every year, America is still the richest nation on the earth. We only have 300 million people. China has 1,300,000,000, and we're still richer. Because God says, I've noticed your giving, your believing, and what you sow, you will reap. We're sowing blessings, we're reaping blessings. It's not because we're smarter or better looking, although we are better looking. Let's just be, let's be real. It's because of the blessing of God that we see these things happen. We're putting God first, and he honors us for it. Um, I'm going to turn to a verse, Revelations 3, 7. God is calling us to be faithful. Uh, and uh, there's a verse here I just really love, uh, as you can see on the screen. I'm going to read it with you. About faithfulness, about not giving up. I don't know what your situation is, but I am sure that you are either in some type of a crisis right now, or you're about to go into one, or you're just coming out of one. 
That's what Rick Warren says, and it's just the truth. It's just life. We go through life, and there's some rough times. And God is saying, be faithful in this trial. He's promising you it will not be too much for you. He's your coach. He knows what you've got in you. And here's what he says in Revelation. Now, in Revelation, before we read it, there are, in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Revelation, there's a very interesting thing there where the, the Apostle John has a, a word from the Lord, a message to seven churches. There's, Revelation is a very difficult book, theologically. Not too difficult. You should read it. It's the only book of the Bible that says if you just read it, you're going to be blessed. It says it right there. Read it, you will be blessed. And there in chapter 7, we know the number 7 is the number of completion. Because the earth was created and God rested on the seventh day. It's always used as the perfect number. So the fact that the Lord says there are seven churches leads one to think that there, these are the seven ages of the church. From the time the church was created, founded, the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago, to today. And if you look through those, and I've got a study on it, I can send it to you. You can see how each one of those ages matches up with the past ages. So the sixth is almost the last, and I believe that's where we are. Sixth, maybe six and a half. <laughs> Entering in on a seven. Some say that six and seven can coincide at the same time, which is probably true. So sixth church uh, is Philadelphia, and the name gives you a key to the, that. What does Philadelphia mean? You guys would know. City of brotherly love. So the thing that marks this sixth next to the last age of the church is a love between brothers in Christ. And we've certainly seen that. In this age, since about the middle of the 1800s, there's been a lot of cooperation between Christian denominations. Uh, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now called Crew, uh, and uh, all sorts, Billy Graham, all these are interdenominational outreaches. People no longer look at the label and say, if you love Jesus, that's enough for me. In Bastogne, recently, we had to find another place to meet for a Sunday. That's one reason we need a building, because we lose our meeting place from time to time. Um, the Catholic priest who we've become friends with said, hey, you can meet in the Catholic church that Sunday, whether that particular time we're not using the building. That's really unusual. Uh, we have a good relationship there. It's the time of brotherly love. It's the time of ecumenicism. Also, we see the Lord says the other sign of that age, which is the one we're in, I believe, it says, you've been faithful. You've not uh, neglected my word, and you've been faithful in what I have. I believe that faithful means in preaching the gospel to the whole world. So let's read that. With that understanding, this is a letter to us, this age we're in. So let's read these verses. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, that's us, right? He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut. If you're going to plant a church in a tough place, remember, he opens and no one's going to shut that door. He opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. Next verse. I know your deeds. Behold, I put before you an open door. For you today, somebody here, God's got a door open for you, and he wants you to go through it. Don't be afraid. Don't look to the left. Left, don't look to the right, look to Jesus and keep going through that open door, which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. We have kept the Lord's word. We've been faithful in proclaiming the gospel to the whole world. And we're, in our generation, there's been leaps and bounds of evangelism like we've never, ever seen. Uh, next verse, because you have kept the word of my perseverance. Perseverance means 
faithful. It means not giving up. Because you kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Now, he's speaking of the Philadelphian age, not of the first century. We haven't yet entered into the time of great tribulation. But here we have a promise from God, because you've been faithful, you haven't given up, I'm going to spare you this tough time that is coming on the world. Who wants to go through the tribulation and suffer under the Antichrist? Pastor, I don't see any hands raised. (laughs) Then this time, it's a good thing. God is a good God, and because you've been faithful, he's going to bless you and help you get past that time. So that's why we preach the gospel to the whole world. Uh, The word there, faithful, is pistos in Greek, which means reliable, dependable. God wants people he can count on. He's reliable. I want to say one thing about reliability and dependability. Everybody loves to say, yeah, yeah, I, I believe in faithfulness and being reliable. But it's easy to be faithful and reliable when the sun is shining, the birds are singing, the grass is green, and it's springtime in Michigan. But it's when it's January <laughs> and it's cold and the snow's that high and your car can barely get started and you're, you're tired and you don't want to go to church or you don't want to go visit that person, that one that you're supposed to bring to Christ, you don't feel like it, that's when the victory comes. That's when the dependability comes. Um, faithfulness is doing the right thing when you don't want to do it. Faithfulness is doing the right thing when you don't want to do it. You're denying your feelings. How many of you would have a job if you depended upon your feelings? You know, you have to deny those feelings. Because sometimes you want to tell the boss something he needs to hear pretty badly, but you don't do it because you want to keep your job. And on Monday morning, you don't feel like going to church, but you do because you're reliable and you're dependable. And that's what God is calling us to do. And sometimes it's uh, um, not an easy thing to consider, uh, to continue to be faithful, because it seems like maybe God has forgotten. It seems like maybe it's a joke. And you've got friends that are mocking you and saying, Why, what are you doing Sunday morning? You go to church? Well, gosh, I, could, I like to sleep in on Sunday mornings. People don't understand you. They think you're a little bit odd. Let me tell you about someone else that was considered odd, and I'm sure an object of ridicule, and he was the joke all around, is Abraham. Abraham, his, his first name was not Abraham. It was another name. His, originally, he was called Abram, which means father, I guess, honorable father. Abraham. God came to him one day and said, Abraham, you see the stars of the sky? Yeah. He said, that's how your descendants will be. You're going to have so many kids, you won't be able to count them because you can't count the stars. So he started telling people, saying, well, what's your name? Oh, it's no more, you know, no, it's not Abram. No, no, my name's Abraham. And I'm sure they all had these knowing looks, like Abraham. <laughs> watch, watch me play a joke on the old geezer. Hey, Abraham, <laughs> how you doing? Oh, doing fine. Hey, how many kids do you have, Abraham? None. <laughs> and every time he's, he's going around town and telling everybody, oh, no, no, I'm not Abram anymore, I'm Abraham. God told me to tell you my name's Abraham. What a joke that was. But God is faithful. Abraham didn't give up. He kept believing, despite the fact that he was 100 years old, Sarah was 90. He believed God, and he has 
a multitude of children. We're all adopted into his family. We're all children of Abraham by faith. So I want to encourage you. It might seem like a joke. People might say, what do you believe in God for? Don't give up. Because God is faithful even though it seems like a joke. I was in Jerusalem not long ago because we found out we could get a ticket from Brussels to Tel Aviv for $250 round trip. I thought, I can't pass that up. So we went, and it was rather shocking to me because when we were there, it's like the Lord revealed a side of Jerusalem I never would have imagined. That was the hatred that is there between the Palestinians and the Jews. I went to the Temple Mount. I got in. I wasn't even sure they'd let us in because they, they murdered th- two security guards and three terrorists were killed on the Temple Mount in July. Right there by the Holy of Holies where they used to offer the sacrifice to the Lord, men were killed three months earlier. I tried to go up to one of the security guards and he said, don't get any closer. That's the tension there. There's blood that's been shed. And wh- why do I say that? Because the city of Jerusalem... What does it mean, Jerusalem? Jerusalem, city of peace. It's not a peaceful city. The Arabs hate the Jews. The Jews hate the Arabs. I went up to the Al-Aqsa Mosque to get permission. I wanted to go in. It's right there on the Temple Mount. I said, can I go in? He said, only Muslims. And I, I smiled and I said, I had my baseball cap on. I looked pretty American. I said, how did you know I wasn't Muslim? <laughs> I was trying to pull a joke and he insulted me in Arabic, something. I, I could tell by his face it was not a compliment. So I went to the Dome of the Rock, just a few feet away. I thought, I'll get in the Dome of the Rock. He said, no, 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 only Muslims. I tried to go into the library. They have a library there. Wouldn't let me in because I'm not Muslim. When I was trying to leave, is when we were leaving a couple days later, at the airport, I misunderstood a lady. She, I thought she was speaking Arabic. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't speak Arabic. She got highly insulted. She said, I'm not Arab, I'm Jewish. Just clearly, I deeply insulted her by implying she might be Palestinian. Such a lot of hatred there, killings and explosions. How can it be God calls it city of peace? Because Jesus, 2,000 years ago, died on a cross there, and he made peace between you and God. If you accept Christ as your Savior, there is peace between you and God. God kept his word. He is reliable. He is faithful. There is peace in Jerusalem because it's a city of peace where God made peace. And the rest of the peace will come. I wonder this morning if you have made your peace with God. Is there something between you and the Lord? Is there a habit? Is there something that would keep you from being accepted into heaven? I encourage you this morning to come to that same cross that I came to when I was 16 years old and I knelt in my room alone and said, Jesus, I accept you as Lord of my life. Forgive me my sins. God wants to forgive you your sins. He's not against you. He's for you. That's what we preached in Belgium, that same forgiveness in Jesus. We preached the new birth. It's not enough to be baptized in the Catholic Church or in any church. If you're baptized without repentance, all it it does is change a dry sinner into a wet sinner. It doesn't do any good. You need repentance. And uh, let me tell you about someone that repented. And she was on that video. Did you know on that video we were two prostitutes, two ex-prostitutes? You wouldn't know which ones. I won't tell you. But two of them were ex-prostitutes. One of them was a madam. I mean, she ran the house of ill repute. You just saw her on there. Filled with the Holy Spirit, loves Jesus. She told me the story when we first met her. She didn't want us to 
be surprised when someone said, well, you know, that lady you're working with, she used to run the house down the street. So she wanted us to know. I said, she, but she loves us. I said, her name is Blanche. I said, Blanche, no problem. I see Jesus in your life. Well, Blanche said that she had been doing this business, and she felt really bad about it. She knew it was wrong. Don't let people tell you, oh, well, it's fine. It's, they know down in their heart it's wrong what they're doing. And so she was doing this, and she decided to get out of the business. Her, her husband, who had been a pimp, asked her to leave the business. And so they both got out and opened a french fry place. And so um, she was there all this time thinking she's surely going to go to hell. Because she's always done these, she'd done this, and she thought, there's no way I can ever get to heaven after what I've done. And one day, one of her friends, she ran into her, and her friend had also been in the business, and said um, to her, um, hey, guess what? And Blanche said, what? She said, I'm getting baptized. Yeah, Sunday I'm going to go to church, I'm going to get baptized. God's forgiven my sins, I'm going to get right with God. And Blanche was angry. She thought, this cannot be right. How can God forgive her? She's worse than me, and I'm going to hell. That can't be right. And finally, something clicked in her brain. She wasn't thinking real clearly. She realized if God forgave her friend, he was honor-bound to forgive her also. Because she was worse. So Blanche said, where is this church? She found out and went there to church. They gave the altar call, and Blanche didn't even touch the ground hardly. She came up front, gave her life to the Lord, been walking with Jesus for 20 years, filled with the Holy Spirit, knows her Bible backwards and forwards, loves the Lord, shares the gospel, has led several people to the Lord, and she's on our leadership team at the church. I'm just blessed uh, by her. That's what God can do. You know, it's not about buildings, it's not about numbers, it's about people. You are sowing into people's lives and when you give. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, Belgium has a lot of atheists, and um, uh, it's growing. Atheism has increased from 27% to 31% of the population, atheist agnostic. But actually, it's more like half. Because a whole lot of people say they're Catholic, but at the same time, they'll tell you they don't believe in God. Well, uh, recently, Sheila and I were walking in, in Arlon, which is where the other church was planted. We were just about 30 minutes away. And I'd heard about this place, but then I saw it. The Atheist Church. Yes, the atheists have a church. It's called a maison de laïcité, or a lay, uh, a lay person's center. And uh, so I went in with Sheila, and I just said, I've got to go in there. So we went in, and they have, it's paid for by the government. The government pays for all the priests. They own all the churches. They, own, they pay for everything. So this atheist church is paid for. The building and the workers are paid for by the government. So I went in. We just had the greatest time chatting with them, and uh, I'm just excited that I... I could be in there. And the, um, I noticed they had a music night once a month. And I said, oh, you have a music night. And they said, yeah. I said, well, I play the guitar. I said, I would love to come in. They said, oh, when? could you come in September? I said, oh, yes. So they signed me up, the missionary. <laughs> of course, I did not tell them I was a missionary. And we practiced. I got Nicola. Uh, you saw on Stefan, the drummer. And so he, the three of us did a little trio, did a blues set. Christian blues, where I changed some of the words so we didn't want to offend them too much. And we had a great little concert. But just before they introduced us, the, the lady had found out. Apparently she checked on Google, and she found that I was a missionary. <laughs> and so she, you can see she was kind of like, I don't know what we're in for tonight. <laughs> but we didn't violate the understanding that we were not there to preach. We just sang 
but the Lord was there, and a whole bunch of people from the church came, and we shared the gospel to everybody there. It was wonderful. They loved it, and they would like us to come back. I'd like to come back uh, when we get over there. But there's a wonderful thing about sharing the gospel, and uh, we have had, had such a lot of fun with it. Lives changed. I want to tell you, uh, um, I've got a little concluding verse or two I want to share with you. Isaiah 55, 6, if you want to put that one up. But before I do that, I want to tell you one more story about someone that, whose life was changed. That was Fred. Fred um, was into deep trouble. He was a, a drinker, an, our Belgian friend. Uh, I didn't know him at the time. Uh, he had been arrested by the police for drunk driving and arrested for another crime of, of morality. He was looking at prison time. And he, was, he told me that he was lying in his house on his couch and asking God to take his life. He wanted to give up. Turn to your neighbor and, and shake that finger again. Don't give up. So he wanted to give up. He, kept, he was calling out to God and said, God, take my life. I don't want to live anymore. And he was just complaining and complaining. And how many know that God sometimes loses patience? And the Lord spoke to him right there. Fred will tell you clearly it was God. And the Lord said, are you ready to die right now? And he knew in a moment that this was not a joke. This was really God saying, if you're ready to die, I'll take your life. Fred quickly said, no, no, I'm not ready to die. <laughs> and it scared him so much, Pastor, he got up and went to the refrigerator, took his beer, and poured them down the drain. And about that time, we arrived in Belgium. We were speaking at a church there. Fred showed up, and I knew there was something happening in the spirit with Fred. Now, other people didn't like him. He had a reputation. I immediately saw there was something special about Fred. Talked with Fred, led him to the Lord, baptized him. He's now one of the worship leaders at the church in Arlo. He's married to a Christian woman. They've got great uh, two children. We're just over at their house rejoicing with them. And they dropped the charges against Fred. Uh, every, he's got a good job now. He doesn't drink anymore. God has been faithful. So it's all about people. It's all about that, that big change in their life when they accept Christ. Um, Jesus said, you must be born again. So I want to share with you something interesting. Before Jesus preached, who was it that preached ahead of him? John the Baptist. And the Bible says John the Baptist preached a very short and simple message. What was it? Repent and, or sorry, repent because the kingdom of God is near. The Bible then says Jesus, when he started his ministry, preached the same thing. Interesting. Pretty short little message. Hi, everybody. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. Amen. That's, that sums it up. But there's, what's this all about? When Jesus called the 12 apostles, he sent them out. He said, go and preach that the people should repent and the kingdom of God is near. They were preaching the same message. So it struck me, what does that really mean? The repent part, I understand. In Greek, repent means metano is metanoia. It means to change direction, to change your mind, to make a decision to do things differently. And if you have not made a decision to turn your life over to Christ, this is your time. No reason to wait. You don't have tomorrow. You have today. How many know someone who does just like that died? They were fine. The next day they're gone. You have today. Make a decision for Jesus. Turn around. Go God's way instead of your way. Repent. We understand that. The second part, the kingdom of God is near. One day it finally hit me what the Lord is saying. Based on Isaiah 55, 
6. It says, um, Seek ye the Lord while he may be. Call upon him while he is. Well, what he's saying is there is a time when God is close to you. There's a time when God has removed the barriers. You can find him. There's a time when you won't be able to find him. There's a time when he will not be near, when you will call and he will not answer. The Bible says that. People think that God is this sugar daddy. He's always just waiting. God does have a time when the door is closed and it's too late. Esau cried and wept, Father, isn't there yet a blessing for me? He said, no, my son, it's too late. There is a too late in God's kingdom. Don't miss your chance. As Pastor said, when blind Bartimaeus was by the side of the road and Jesus was passing by, he didn't say, hey, Jesus. No, he yelled and he screamed and he hollered and they said, be quiet. He got even louder. He got really Pentecostal. And he got his miracle. The woman wasn't supposed to touch Jesus. She had an issue of blood. She was impure, but she pushed through the crowd, grabbed his rope. She got her miracle. you got to get tough. you got to fight because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the God and you are a majority. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. There, this is, you're in God's house today. If there's something between you and God, why not get rid of it? It's not doing you any good. It's just a leech sucking the life out of you. It's not there for your blessing. It's there to hurt you. Get rid of that thing. Rip it off and crush it. C.S. Lewis mentioned uh, in his famous thing, the book, The Great Divorce, he gets up to heaven and he's about to get on the bus to go to heaven. It's a crazy story, but it's tremendously symbolic. As he's about to get on, the angel says, hold on, you got something stuck on the side of your neck. It's an ugly leech. You can imagine this big blood-sucking thing. And he says, oh, no, no, don't touch it. I'm used to it. I like it. We like our sins sometimes. Let's just be real about it. God, I like that, I like you, but I like that sin more. And God's saying, that's got to go. If you're going to make it to heaven, that thing's got to go. So with great fear, he let the angel rip that thing off the side of his neck. And he threw it down and he stomped on it. And something happened. That evil being, which had been sucking the life out of him, started to transform itself and became a mighty stallion. And he got on it and was able to ride it. The very sin that is trying to kill you when you crucify it, when you take it to the cross and nail it, will become your slave and will be a blessing to you. The Lord is an expert at turning what was used for the evil, for the good. Blanche, who used to be bold for the devil and getting customers for her workers, is now bold for Jesus. She wasn't ashamed to talk about the devil. She's not ashamed to talk about Jesus now. God wants to use that. So I want to encourage you. So I turn it over to you, Pastor, to put God first, be bold, don't give up, and you're going to see some miracles in your life. Thank you for having us. Amen. Awesome. I love it. Praise the Lord. We want to wrap up by giving you an opportunity for two things. One is to just consider your heart in regards to this idea that Jesus, he's our Savior, can be our Savior. And if you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus as uh, a personal way, we want to give you that opportunity. But we also want to give you opportunity to just kind of consider our own sin and maybe things that are holding us back. Or, or the, you may be here and you're saying, man, I'm ready to give up. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit just to come in and to, to help. Um, Kirby and Sheila's back from the kids. Uh, we want to pray with you. 
uh, Pastor Bruce and and I will pray, and uh, maybe some others. Uh, we want to be. We want to pray for you. We want to uh, just lift you up, um, and and just to walk with you and to partner with you in what you're facing. The first part of uh, this response really is for those that may be away from Jesus, or maybe you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. If you're here today and uh, and you don't know Jesus, if you've never accepted him, uh, the Bible is very clear that uh, we are all sinners. The Bible is also clear that if we even have one sin that is unforgiven, we can't make it into heaven. That's kind of scary, right? You're saying, boy, well, how do we get our sins forgiven? Well, it's the blood of Jesus that covers our sins. And he wants to do that. He wants, he, he died for us already. But we have to receive him into our hearts, into our lives. And if you're here this morning, you're ready to receive Jesus as your personal Savior. We want you to do that. In fact, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here and you're saying, I'm ready to do that, I want you just to lift your hand right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But uh, who here? Second service is ready to receive Christ into your life. Before service, just with your head bowed and eyes closed, Kirby uh, mentioned how he wanted to kind of end the service. And he mentioned to me, he said, I feel like there may be uh, at least one person that's really close to give their heart to Jesus, but maybe not quite ready today. Well, listen. You don't have to give your heart to Jesus in a church service. At any point, you call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved, the Bible says. And I just want to challenge you this morning. If your time is now, awesome. If it's later this afternoon or later this week, the Holy Spirit, he's drawing you and you can sense it. You can feel it inside you. Don't resist the enemy would love to put a hold on you and to keep you in your sin, but Jesus wants to set you free. As your heads are continued to be bowed, eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you're saying, man, I'm in a place where I feel like I want to give up. Um, I'm, at, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm, I don't, it's not fun anymore. Whatever, whatever the case might be, and you're ready to just surrender and let the Holy Spirit help you. If you're ready in that way and you're saying, boy, I, I'm, at a, I'm in a hard place and I need prayer, I want you just to lift your hand right where you are. If you're in a hard place, you're saying, boy, I, I need Jesus to step in and to, to help me right where I am. Yeah. Who else? Yeah. You're saying, boy, I, I need Jesus to move in my situation, whatever it is. There's three or four, maybe five hands that have kind of been raised. I'm going to challenge those that raised your hands and maybe others that didn't. We want to pray for you. We want to partner with you. Pastor Bobby's going to lead uh, in a song, and, and, uh, and we want to, to just uh, bless you and to, to pray with you before you leave. 
And so let's do this. Let's all stand. And if you raised your hands, I want you to slip out as Pastor Bobby plays. And I know it's a bold move, and I get that. But I'm just going to ask that you would come. And Pastor Bruce or Pastor uh, Kirby and Sheila, or I will pray with you. We're going we're gonna to ask. Yes, yeah, Sam is here. Uh, if you want prayer for anything, let's just close this time, slip on out, and let's just believe God for the miracle in your life. Let's do that. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.